Hey everyone, before I let loose with this episode, I just want to let you know that it was recorded live on YouTube with Alan Cooper from Twitter predominantly and with Alessandro from the Football Index Forum. It was live, as I mentioned, we were just taking questions as they came in via Twitter and YouTube. The guys had no prep, so I just want to let everyone know that. And I want to thank them very much for coming in last minute and just uh, riffing with me for about, yeah, 80 minutes or so. Uh, It's not the easiest thing to do, you know. You know that there's people that are watching you or listening to you live, and if you slip up, there's no way to edit it. So, yeah, this is the the kind of refined and edited version, but if you hear anything that maybe you shouldn't have, a cough, a sneeze or whatever, if it's not as refined as it usually is, then please just bear that in mind and i also just wanted to remind you guys that the podcast is sponsored by index gain so they are a third party football index data provider and they also have a fantastic community on slack and on slack the app you can also do cool things like track your portfolio so instead of having to open the football index app 20 30 times a day index gain on Slack can basically offer you portfolio notifications and you can set those to remind you every 24 hours or weekly, wherever you want, however passive or active you are as a football index trader or investor, that is a very useful tool. And if you guys are interested in having a look at that and their premium offering, then you can head over to their website, indexgain.co.uk, and you can use my code FIG2020 for 50% off your first month, which is pretty damn good going. It's been a a pretty amazing journey, hasn't it? I mean, upgrade of 57% in dividends overall is pretty crazy. And I'm, for one, over the moon. And I think this platform is going to go from strength to strength. Some of the closing things, closing notes in Adam Cole's letter from the announcement were super, super interesting. And I'd really, really love, you know, for everyone to really get behind this platform because... You know, we're seeing a lot of things on Twitter, a lot of bickering between people in in communities, and it'd be great if everyone just gets behind the brand. But yeah, I'm I'm seeing you know loads more people follow me, watch my content and stuff, and seeing loads of reviews recently on the podcast. And if you do want to cheekily leave one of those, you can do it right now. You know, as you're listening, open up your iPhone app, just leave a review, five stars. I'll take four. I'll take four. And uh, yeah, it's not too hard. Just. Yeah, do that, please, if you can. And also give Football Index a five-star review on Trustpilot and on Google as well. Get that name out there, get them ranking SEO-wise better, and even give them a rating on the App Store as well, you know? This platform is going to be on a kind of rocket ship between now and this time next year, so let's all pitch in and do what we can to uh, propel it even further. Thanks for sticking with me for this three-minute little intro, but now I hand you over to the actual podcast between... You know, myself, Alan Cooper, and Alessandro. Hello and welcome back to the Football Index podcast, episode 105, fresh off the back of some new dividends, or a new dividends chart a new dividends announcement, and we're all very excited. Rockets everywhere. I'm joined by Alan Cooper from Twitter from the for the second time. Good evening. How are you doing, mate? Pretty well, thanks, after this announcement. Feeling positive? <laughs> very much so. Out of 10, how happy are you? Out of 10? It's got to be an 8 or a 9. I mean, you can never okay. be 10 out of 10, can you? But uh, nah. probably, a, probably a 9. That's not too bad, though. 
No, I mean, it's not too bad. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, there's, there's very little you can pick at, to be honest. So <laughs> um, I think, you know, obviously everyone would love more money, as they always would. But I think the some of the rises in the dividends here are fantastic. So, yeah, very, very happy. Mm-hmm. And why don't you remind people a bit about your uh, Football Index journey? A lot of people will know you on Twitter and on Slack, but why don't you uh, just remind the listeners? Yeah, sure. So I started on the index two years ago, more or less to the day, um, sometime in October 2017. Started off small and gradually sort of built up um, money in, in there, deposits in there, and then it's sort of been building up ever since really. And deposits have been kind of up and down depending on you know what I've need, what money I've needed to take out or, and things like that, and what bonuses and extra things have come in. Um, couldn't help but put a bit more in the last few days, uh, <laughs> including tonight as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a very exciting journey so far and looking forward even more to the future now. Yeah, that was probably one of the main things for me. The kind of things that were mentioned in the post were really, really exciting. I think those bullet points at the end of Alan, uh, Alan, I always said Alan Cole, mix you two up, Adam Cole. <laughs> so this is what happens when we go live. I do make a lot of mistakes. Uh, when Adam Cole is closing, no, I think some of those bullet points were actually really exciting. Alessandro, you've joined us predominantly you are on the forum um you emailed me saying hey fig like your stuff i really want to go on the podcast i think i could add some value and here we are pretty much three days later Uh, and here we are indeed yes thanks for having me on (laughs) thank you very much for coming on why don't you tell people a bit about yourself and kind of how your football index journey has gone so far sure well very similar to alan to the day almost uh two years ago i i started investing in a football index um it didn't start off too well because I bought a lot of Diego Costa and then he decided to go to Brazil and not play football for a while. So that was enjoyable. But it's been a slow build up, again, similar to Alan. Uh, it's been a fair amount of investment, which has gradually got bigger and bigger, seen some positive returns. And obviously, today's news is tied up to exactly how I run my uh, portfolio, which is dividend heavy, is absolutely perfect for me. Nice, nice. And uh, any other things that you want to shine a light on uh why the forum why not twitter why not index gain <laughs> um why the forum because i'm too old to understand how twitter works because i don't like to be inhibited by the character restrictions no it's <laughs> i think it's, it's pretty much the, the forums um a pretty vibrant in, environment and i think we can have a, a a longer debate on some of the finer points and also there's a great deal more uh, comedy nonsense that goes on, on the forum but i'm not opposed to twitter or um or Slack, and I do use Slack occasionally as well, but the forums where where, where most of the people that I speak to and we talk about uh, football index uh, reside currently. Interesting. Well, I think it's uh, good to get a variety of opinions, people that lurk on different platforms. It's always good. But why don't I ask you, gents, first, and feel free to interrupt me and to carry on from one another, but... What were your initial reactions? First of all, what did you kind of anticipate percentage-wise for the dividend increase? And, you know, what what was your gut instinct feeling when you first saw the number 57? I think I expected probably something around that. It's very difficult. You know, whenever FI make an announcement, it's always really, really hard to guess what it's going to be. Um, everyone always tries to guess what it's going to be, obviously, with their buys and things and the, their portfolio. But I think it's really, really hard to know what they're going to come out with. I think quite a few people probably thought they would put IPDs up again, for example, uh, which they haven't, which I think is definitely a good thing. Um, but 
I think <laughs> initially I thought maybe people are getting a bit carried away. You know, we've seen people sort of suggesting absolutely enormous increases and you kind of think, well, is that really financially viable? Um, but then you see all the rockets from, you know, on the tweets and Adam Cole coming out a couple of times with his with those tweets, which are very rare for him to come out with, with something. So I think I was getting more and more convinced it was going to be significant, but you still kind of think, oh, please don't let it let us down because so many people put so much money in the last few days. And if it had been a bit disappointing, like, you know, a penny on each one or something like that, I think, you know, people would have been really disappointed. So I think overall it's, it's probably about what I expected and um, probably not quite the way I expected it to be shared out. Uh, but I think actually the way it has been shared out is very good. So I'll, I'll take the opposite view on that one. I was surprised by by the increase. I think um, and mainly the reason I was surprised is because I wasn't quite sure which way the index was going. You know, Alan mentioned the, uh, the, the in-play dividends there. I thought there was a switch towards that. They wanted more churn. On, on buying and selling, they wanted more two percent commission. Um, a long dividend payout is what that we're seeing now. You know, moderate as some people might consider uh, questions the sustainability of the platform. It means that they must have been making a, a fair amount of money to have increased it to this level. So, whilst it's positive news, I was surprised it was as much as it was. That's I have interesting to see that you guys have slightly differing viewpoints. I thought after all the hype that it would be around about 50%. And also, if you consider that the previous one during the share split was around, what, 27 28%, you'd think that the amount Because they were quite cautious in the way they approached that one. They were like, look, we're doing a share split, and we're going to try and be as generous as possible with dividends. They didn't really say any more. And then when we saw 28%, we were like, you know, combined with a share split, that's awesome. And this time, with all the hype behind it, it wasn't too surprising for me to see 50-ish percent. I kind of anticipated, I was saying to people before, that I anticipated about 45-ish for some reason. I thought if you had 30 or 35, which is too close to that 28% figure, then people would be too upset and all hell would maybe break loose on Twitter. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the market reacts. Obviously, a lot of people have kind of messaged me asking why prices haven't gone up straight away. People only have a certain amount of money in their pockets, don't they? And <laughs> people have different risk, risk appetites. And obviously, dividends aren't always going to be completely re- reflective of price straight away, especially off the back of an increase. But why do you guys think that they brought the announcement forward? And just before I get into that, someone called Westy Chimp said forum over Twitter. And he said, good to start with the Everton of the forum and build your way up from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cheers, Westy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say about that. Why did you guys think it was brought forward, Alan? It's a good question. I'm not really sure whether it was always their intention. I just do wonder whether they or whether they were hoping they might be able to do it. Because it does tie in perfectly, doesn't it, with the bonus ending today and then the bonuses being paid out tomorrow. I think uh, you might have seen, it's difficult to know what you would have seen, but you might have seen money come out potentially next week. Uh, or after tomorrow, once the bonuses were paid, or once the bonus period had finished, things like that. I don't know. I got, obviously, people would have been looking forward to the announcement as well. Maybe it's just to keep the momentum going. It's it's hard to know exactly why they brought it forward, but I think it was a, in a way it's a good thing just to get it get it out in the open in a way, um, not sort of drag it out with all the rumours for another two weeks. But um, I think ultimately, if it was all signed off and all ready to go, then there's no no reason to delay it any further. I guess. I guess one of the reasons that they wanted to hold back was due to payday, but I think I, they probably saw some of the prices on the index up until that date and thought we better just we better just bring it forward, right? 
yeah, I think they were, they, they were seeing prices. This market wasn't hemorrhaging money, but certainly the footy was seeing a, a negative movement. And I think Alan's absolutely spot on, right? There's fifteen hundred potential pounds that users could have that will drop into their accounts if they've maxed out those bonuses tomorrow that could be plugged back into this again. So I think they stopped the bleeding on the footy. I think they know that there's a potential cash, inje- cash injection because they knew that everything was going to be a positive news story today based on the percentages and that they've, uh, you'll see this big spike occur. And you know what? There's a little window until these become active and that that will be a cash active window on the footy as well. I think that the hemorrhaging money point at first it was one of those things where the lower players started increasing quite a lot and then you expected that cycle to go back into the top end and it didn't really happen. I think EJ mentioned that in the in his blog. And if you guys haven't checked out his blog, which is uh, truly excellent, it's about 15 pages about his thoughts on Football Index at the moment and the future of it. It was done pre the dividend increase, but still really worth reading. He's probably one of the biggest investors on Football Index, but yeah, he talks about how that cycle just didn't really come again and FI probably had to step in at that point. The issue, I think, in terms of bringing it forward, there was just too much money flying in certain players and I think FI just probably had to bite their tongues in terms of having to wait until the payday window at the end of the month and just say, look, we're just going to do it now and then people can react. And I think we are going to see probably significant in- increases between now and January at the very least and, and then further on. It's uh, yeah, certainly going to be a very, very interesting part of the index. I'm just trying to going to try and dig into some of these questions because we've already got quite a few. Jay Fraz, who was the first person that came to mind after reading the details of the announcement? What kind of players do you guys think are going to benefit mostly here, Alan? Well, there's no doubt that the PB players, as was expected, are going to benefit. You know, especially on the treble days. And it's very, very hard to well, not sorry, not treble days now, gold, golden days. Um, <laughs> Um, as they are now. I think that those players, whoever wins those days, is going to be such a massive payout now. 16p a share compared to 7, as it was before. Mm. So the star man's going to win more than double what they won before now, which is absolutely <laughs> enormous. So there's going to be some incredible trading if any players in early kickoff, kickoffs get big scores now. They really are. It's going to be absolutely insane. But, the, I mean, the first player that came to mind, unsurprisingly to most people listening probably, was Neymar. You know, Neymar is, you know, when he's fit and he's playing, is is the king of the match day scoring, um, certainly from a forwards point of view. And, you know, he's also obviously one of the biggest media players as well. And the media dividends, which we haven't mentioned yet, have really increased very significantly as well. So media players are really, really going to benefit from this. And I think it really outweighs any concerns about the squad being opened up now, so every player being eligible for for media um, I think, you know, with the treble days are up a lot, but every single day now the winner gets 3p instead of 2p, which is obviously a 50% increase, which is massive over a whole year or two years, or whatever period you want to look at. So for me, the first person I bought was Neymar. I've already got plenty of Neymar, but I bought more Neymar um, straight away. I think a lot of people probably followed suit in that. I think someone posted that almost 400k had been put into him. Alessandro, what were your gut instincts as soon as you saw it? Exactly the same. You know, your top 20, top 30 guys um, who are PB, MB magnets are going to pick this up and it's Neymar. I think the other angle here is anybody who looks at fixtures on uh, in-play dividends as well, right, will now be trying to combine both of those positive fixtures with MB and with PB. And I know the the, the in-play dividends hasn't increased, 
But I think now understanding the fixtures uh, moving forward is going to be important. I think secondly, the the transfer windows we move. If this is first November, transfer hype will pick in. It's your usual suspects. It'll be Pogba, Neymar, presumably will be back talking to people again. There's a few bits. Obviously, United need need players in. So there's a massive potential runway for for capital appreciation and, and dividends on that route into the end of the year or for the January transfer. And then you've got the Euros in the middle of next year. So anybody who understands that there's a European football who's playing international football at a reasonable level and is going to be in a positive team is also going to be a pickup. Yeah, I think there is going to be a lot of value floating around the index. And I think Jay Fraz also asked, do you think that the big money will move to the mid-range players, two to three pounds, for example, following the announcement for optimum returns? I thought a lot of the money did actually go into those players, don't you think, Alan? Well, already, yeah, it did. I mean, that, the main players that rose in the build-up to this were those almost all midfield players, but also in the last couple of days, more so some defenders as well. I noticed were flying up quite a lot as well. So... Yeah, I think most of the money actually went there. And I think actually the top of the index now is where is due a rise. Um, the players like Neymar, Messi have been plateaued for a long time. And this is exactly what those players needed to massively boost their price. Now, you can talk about you know Messi's age, for example, but the fact is overnight or not even overnight you know in the last two hours two and a quarter hours those players are now more valuable it's as simple as that you know they've had massive increases in their potential winnings so even players that are in their 30s like Messi should see a significant rise over the next few weeks based on potential returns obviously being much much higher than they previously were um, so obviously the mid-value players have, have risen in, in their build-up you know, rightly so um, but I really do think this will stretch the market significantly. And I think the reason, in my opinion, that the likes of Neymar hasn't increased more, and he has gone up 52p, but I think it's about 35p perhaps since the actual announcement went out. I just think people haven't got any money. <laughs> I think most people <laughs> most people I've spoken to in very in chat and Twitter and things have spent all their balance before the announcement. Um, as pre- previously, the index has, has frozen, hasn't it, for sort of half an hour. So everyone tries to pile in after these announcements. I think everyone kind of expected the same thing to happen. Ironically, it didn't. Uh, but I think perhaps the reason for that was that no one had any money because they'd already spent all their balances. So I just think if people do find more money over the next few weeks, as bonuses coming in tomorrow, I think you know some of those top-end players will start to rise gradually over the next few weeks. I actually thought that the same as you, that a lot of people just spent their money and a lot of people were kind of saying to me that a lot of money is still in cash balances. That might be true, but I do think that a lot of people did overextend and overbuy leading up to the announcement just because maybe they were scared that the market wouldn't function after that it, it was suspended, etc. I'm not too sure why, but there was just a lot of FOMO going on, don't you think? Alessandro, do you want to go? Yeah, sorry. I had a dog barking in the background. Uh, the joys of live, of live <laughs> podcasts. Yes, I think there was a bit of FOMO, right? And I think people had pitched in. I also think that there was an enormous depth in that sell queue in the lead up to this, right? Which was artificially artificially depressing, uh, depressing the market. So people have spent their money. They've also realized that they wanted to take some out and have sat there and not being able to shift any units. And then suddenly this dividend announcement has been made. And people have, I think just before that, when they announced the, the announcement was going to be made, I think people released the sell queue. And now I think you're right. There's not enough cash floating around. We're waiting for the bonus. We're waiting for payday. And then we'll see it bounce in. A lot of these increases are people releasing that sell queue there. Mm, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks. And then the 
dividends going to come into play November the 1st, probably FI maybe nudging users on payday to try and get in before the new dividend structure actually comes into fruition. We've got a question here from Advinkler's Index, who I think is uh, pretty big on the forum, Alessandro. Uh, bronze, silver and gold categories are the same as before in terms of the amount of football matches, i.e. 50 managers to qualify for the top prizes. That's actually a statement, not a question. But <laughs> what were your thoughts on the kind of revamp or the makeover, so to speak? Well, I think they've, yeah, they've tried to live it up. It's neatly bucketed now. All of the prices are neatly aligned to a certain degree. There's not a great deal of a discrepancy. You could arguably have claimed to have been able to game certain market areas over others. So the single match days were, were more popular. Um, this looks like a better spread. Yeah, I think it's a positive way of breaking it down. I think it's evened it up. Yeah, well, it, it didn't make any sense before, did it, with, with it being single, double and treble, and it wasn't double and treble any, anymore <laughs> so a lot of people have suggested to them that they change that and i think bronze silver and gold is as good as any any other way of uh, describing them in terms of the amounts i do think that the treble day or the old treble day did need a bigger increase because of the, the chances of winning on those big days uh, where you've got sort of you know 25 30 games um you know saturdays and mainly saturdays the odd sunday as well the odds of winning are obviously very slim. So at least now, whilst the odds are slim, if you do win, so you'll win less often now than perhaps you used to, um, you know, with, with more players having come onto the index. But, um, you know, now you've got a bigger reward when you do win. Um, so I definitely think they've weighted it in the right way. I think the single days were already pretty uh, lucrative already after the previous increase. So for me, they've done it in the right way. Do you think this kind of tries to um, make it so those players that get those peak scores quite often will tend to maybe be rewarded more appropriately? Yeah, I mean, that's the way it kind of looks um, to me. So that's going to be really interesting to see what they come out with in, in regards to um, the sort of rewarding the, the, the sort of bigger players. I think the way it's sounded in the or the way it read to me in the release was a bit different to how Mike Bowen has sort of discussed it on Twitter or touched on it on Twitter. So it'll be interesting to see how they sort of implement that. Yeah. Alessandro, any more thoughts on on this? No, it kind of aligns with with what Alan says. It's it's uh, let's see what this how this affects those mid range PB players, right, and those big score players. It's more lucrative to, but less often. Maybe picking up a you know a forty p random nobody from a from one of the lesser PB leagues now looks more lucrative if you can manage to just pick those spikes when they look good. So maybe big posted PB scores, but massively and frequently look more interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I think they, especially if they happen before three pm, it could obviously spell for some big big spikes and maybe some big drops if those players don't hang on what did you guys make of the 3 p.m cutoff that's been instated i actually had a feeling that they'd push that boat out a little bit further maybe five six seven eight p.m which would be amazing obviously for kind of those shorter term traders especially as they didn't increase in play dividends i thought they might balance that out by you know actually increasing that cutoff point to about 8 p.m alan i'm interested to hear your thoughts on that cutoff point because an hour i mean it makes a difference a little bit because you've got the lineups for the um, premier league games come out at 2 p.m for the 3 p.m kickoffs there's 230 german games like what are your thoughts my suspicion is that they want to push it back further and further and further but they're probably wary of doing it too quickly i think if they do it too quickly then 
it might kind of free people out a little bit and cause a bit of instability, a bit too much instability in the market. So I think they're probably just trying slowly to push it back and see what effect it has. You know, they're probably getting more and more wary of destabilizing the market with anything that they do, which I think, you know, this particular announcement is they've made it quite clear that everyone's being treated the same and it shouldn't favor anybody almost as the way it was worded. So I think they're trying to make sure that no one's got any sort of grounds for you know, having a moan. Um so, so I think it will make quite a big difference uh, for the reasons that you've said there. So at the end of the day, this is a, at the moment a mainly UK-based product and you know most people know more about the Premier League than any of the league. So I think that the team news coming out at 2 o'clock on a Saturday now, you've got that time to react and still get the match day dividends. So for example, say Manchester City were to... Say Mares has now got more and more into the team, but say before he's become more established in the team this season, if you suddenly found he was playing at two o'clock, you might think, oh, he's actually playing for once, so I'll quickly buy him in the hope that you might put in a great performance. Whereas previously, if you did that, you wouldn't get the time to react before the deadline, so it's not really worth buying them then. So I think it will see some big spikes for players that do make perhaps a, or come back from injury early or do make a, perhaps a surprise appearance, for example. So that will be really interesting to see. But also, like you say, there's some, the German games will kick off at 2.30 on a Saturday. So again, that will be really interesting. Um, I'll tell you so what's interesting about that one, right? And that's interesting. I'd, be, I'd love to see the volume spikes on a day, right, pre and post the original 1 o'clock and now to a 2 o'clock. So, and by that, I mean, are we seeing the vast majority of everybody's investments rolling in before the old um, 2 o'clock deadline? Right, and they, what will that mean for their coffers that have rolled it out by an extra hour? That is very interesting. I think maybe the thing that they're probably worried about, to Alan's point, in terms of pushing it out too far, is that if you have loads and loads of guys that are hitting quite high scores but they don't win, then they aren't rewarded, obviously, from a dividend standpoint, but also the holders of those players, or maybe the guys that have tried to buy in before say if it was like an 8 p.m deadline could get really hurt if you know Neymar or Messi are playing at 8 p.m and they just end up winning and then suddenly you're sat there with a player that's gone down 15 percent who might have just had this their performance of the season and you know they're kind of not worth this in the future but that was kind of their moment yeah I mean you are going to see that that kind of thing happening it always has happened and it it, you know will continue to to happen I'm sure we've seen it before where with the early kickoffs that you know a player has put up a really good score and perhaps gone up sort of 20-25p or something like that. I can remember Zapata doing it for Atalanta at, um, one particular week. And um, they sort of went up so far. I can't. Even, I think he might have actually won in the end. Uh, but you kind of thought, if he doesn't win here, he's going to drop a mile. And I think FI put an enormous spread on him just in case that happened, which then kind of you think, oh, I'm locked into that trade now. Which is So it, it will cause a lot of volatility um, as it is. But like you say, if it pushed it back even further, that's my concern is that, it really would make it very, very volatile. And that can put new users off. Um, you know, if you sort of make a trade of a guy that's flying and then suddenly they get beaten and will get substituted or lose game-winning goal or whatever, if it's a player that you can still buy before the deadline as well, I just think it's going to cause even more sort of fluctuations. And obviously, they, on one hand, FI want you know, all the in-play trading and the, you know, the quick instant sales and all that kind of thing to make more money. But at the same time, if it puts people off, you know, if it's too volatile, then you know, that's probably a bad thing in the long term. Alessandro, any thoughts? No, I think it's absolutely right. Uh, market volatility has been there, right? And people have got burnt, as Alan said, 
you, but that's the luck of the draw, right? There's always a late kickoff. There's always potential. You'll get, the guy you've you've pinned your money on gets nabbed by, as I said earlier, a random PB from some French league or Italian league. So that, I don't think that's necessarily changed. I think again, Alan's right. If that date or that time, sorry, moves further out, that window of uncertainty and volatility increases. So it depends. Is the is the market shifting back more to the long term dividend holder and away from the uh, in play dividend market? That really kind of is the crux of, of, of where that date sits, or sorry, where that time sits and how it moves. Mm. Let's see how that works, the extra hour that they've given us. But I think it could be good, and I agree, Alan. I think we could see it get to, you know, the seven, the eights, the nines in the future. We've got a question here from Jay Fraz again. He's been very active. In the comments from AC, he talks about things being improved in the quote-unquote near future. Thoughts on the dividend table being reviewed and benchmarked with a new table published in advance of every new football season. Does this mean we're going to have a yearly dividend review? And Alan, I think in the last announcement, there was a allusion to this, actually, to this new table that we'd see every year. Do you think we're going to see basically a review before every season in the kind of way that we have now? That's how I read it. Yeah, absolutely. So It'll be really, really interesting to see how, well whether that does materialise. I guess it must, it will do now they've said that. So whether it means an increase every single year is obviously, you know, <laughs> people might get very excited about that. But I guess that, that will potentially drive the market as well. You know, around the start of each season, people will be expecting a review. I guess it'll just depend on how the market is at that point, ultimately. But the fact they are going to review it on a yearly basis does make sense. And I think it might stop people sort of, you know, keep speculating about an increase or asking them, you know, for an increase, you know, sort of throughout the year, if they've kind of put it in the calendar and said, look, once a year, we're going to review the dividend structure. So I don't think things change that much in a year. I mean, people might disagree and say, oh, we've had all these changes and everything else, we've had a share split. But I think, ultimately, yes, the market will probably grow significantly again in the next year. Even if it does, they can then put that sort of um, new new sort of uh, structure in place if necessary. You know, next year I think these dividends now should be, in theory, sufficient to carry us on even for twelve months. You're absolutely right. There, right? That's a review, not an obligation to change. Um, it creates volatility leading up to that point. If you take it from a business viewpoint, right, they want to be able to offer out a certainty that there will be a review. And that gives them an assurity that they can make changes as well if their business model has changed. So if the market looks like it's going back to in-play dividends or if it looks like it's gone long dividend um, dividend MB players, then they've got the ability to move that as well. That works in favour of traders and their business. Mm, that's interesting. How? <laughs> what are your thoughts generally from the business side, Alessandro? I want to pick your brains because they talked about their risk team going over the kind of potential dividend increase that could come of it what are your thoughts generally of the of football index as a business and also how they kind of handled this last week so from a business perspective right i think this has moved out of that initial startup phase into you know this is a solid business it's got backing you can go online and see who's backed what and how much money's gone in um if they're able to change dividends in a positive way it means they're allowed or they're in a situation where they have enough money and enough runway to be able to have made a decision and the risk committee would have come up with that decision that they can do this for the rest of this season, see the review date we just spoke about for the for the new benchmark and know that they're, they're comfortable and they're not going to have a massive burn on their books. What they're trying to do at the moment is fine-tune the business whilst also increasing incentive for investment. Right, Remember, all of this money 
that sat in there for anybody who does who doesn't flip and sits there is cash that they can use right this capital adequacy requirements that they have to obey it's cash that they can use to do other things with outside of this business on an investment level as long as they're careful obviously everybody's money is hedged and and it's all good you'll always get it back to a certain degree I think it's important to, yeah, it's just their ability to be able to sense when the market is moving in a way that they need to adapt either their business or gently nudge us back in line with what they want us to do. They want us to do. Yeah, I suppose there's that balance between the market and also them as a business. And those things are very much in tandem they're kind of like dance partners one doesn't function without the other and i think people's understanding of how fi work as a business allows them to better generate better guesswork on stuff like this when there's going to be a review or when fi might shift in a way that you might think they might not if you you kind of don't know their business that well when this kind of came about my initial reaction was well it's going to be an increase in pb and mb because in-play dividends are really quite generous. And we've got a question from Davos that we'll get onto in a minute. But it was kind of clear to which direction they were heading this time, probably for the first time in like a year, which was probably quite good because from an outside-in perspective, as like a trader on the platform and someone who has a lot of money into it, if you're looking at the company, you don't want to be looking at them and thinking that they might go in any and whatever direction they best please they kind of it was clear the kind of path that they were going to take here it was and i think it's important right that traders want them to put dividends up we all want more dividends we all want to make more money off the platform it is detrimental to any trader for them to overextend themselves and then have to make a cutback in dividends because what you'll then see is the money flow back out again because it looks like people think that the business is in trouble this is a balancing act as you said they need to make sure that every one of these announcements carefully timed right it's carefully communicated and it's carefully executed upon mm. <laughs> do you think there's gonna be people who are actually disappointed with an increase like this alan what would your reaction to those be i did see a couple of people on uh, on one of the slack channels say uh, underwhelming and disappointing um they were quickly shot down by most <laughs> other people on there <laughs> everyone can have their own opinion you know some people obviously we all have different expectations of what we thought was going to happen so you know, depending on your expectations, you're either going to be overwhelmed or underwhelmed or or just kind of, well, that's what I expected, one or the other. So this dividend increase, don't forget, came out of the blue. FI came on your podcast two or three weeks ago and said there's no planned dividend increases. Now, I responded to people who said that this was a reaction to, you know, sort of other events recently that they've just done this out of the blue because they told you on the podcast that they weren't going to increase dividends. I I said, well, they weren't going to say they were going to increase them, were they, on your podcast? <laughs> but um, I still didn't think they were going to do it anytime soon, to be honest. They certainly hadn't given any vibes off whatsoever that they were going to increase dividends. So that's the first thing to say. And then when you actually look at the increases, they are really significant, really, mm. really significant. I mean, a star man on a triple day is been quadrupled <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's mad which is absolutely amazing really um i think maybe the, it's quite hard to understand perhaps on the face of it how big the increases are because we are when you look at the figures on a page they're pence you know it's like 1p or 2p you think well what's that but actually if you look at it in percentage terms like we said at the start it's 57 percent mm. you know media's 50 percent up on uh, on you know 2p 3p and then the 531 on the treble day is also a 50 percent increase overall so these are really, really significant increases. So I don't really understand how you can be underwhelmed by it. 
when we've gone from a position of we're not expecting an increase really, even if we think we might need one, to suddenly we've got a 57% increase plus for, <laughs> plus then further reassurance of we're going to basically do a review every single year at the start of the season. Plus we've also got something else in line for you know potentially sort of rewarding consistently good performance. So I don't really understand why anybody would think it was underwhelming, but you know everyone's entitled to their own opinion, obviously. Alessandro, any reasons you could think that they couldn't actually go properly gung-ho and say we're going to increase everything by 150% as maybe some people for some reason have kind of come to expect, I guess? It's just not a sustainable business model, right? We don't know. So that when they spoke about the risk committee having got together and, and worked out what's going on, right, let's have a think about what that means. What's probably happened is a load of people have got together with a load of stats and gone, what's the average chance that Neymar picks up a star person at 8p, right? Quite quite reasonable considering where he is at the. In, if you look at the price. Now look at the amount of money that's held against him. What does that payout look like? Now cascade that down against my top 200 PB and MB winners over the last two years. What does it look like on a really bad day, week, month, year, right? Now project that forwards. Here's where it looks. This looks like the <laughs> sweet spot. This is what the price should be, right? This has all been carefully put together. Anything, if they wanted to go to 10p, they'd have gone to 10p. They haven't because it didn't fit the risk profile that those people came up with. Mm, I think that's uh, some really good insight there into why FI have been probably as generous as they actually could be and i i'd really urge people who are disappointed with this to kind of think with them in mind as a business as well because i don't know like i think we need to be slightly objective here and look at this as a 57 percent increase only what six months after a 27 percent increase so it's pretty 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 big and uh, i mean i'm happy again as alan said everyone's entitled to their opinion but i would urge people to kind of reconsider and think about this from uh, an fi standpoint as well uh, davos has a question here about in-play dividends are you surprised that there was no increase to in-play dividends slightly i don't think there should have been one i think it's right that they haven't increased them but i'm slightly surprised i think the problem with in-play dividends in terms of an increase probably was that if you make an increase in terms of pence, you're effectively, <laughs> the increase is obviously enormous because they're currently yeah. 1p for most of them are 1p. It's obviously 2p for a, um, a goal for a defender, but goalkeeper, clean sheets, goals and assists are all 1p. I think the only thing that looks a bit wrong with that is that goals and assists are the same. But if you don't make them the same, you're talking about doubling the payout for a goal. So if you're trying to get back on track in terms of making this more about performance buzz or match day dividends over in-play dividends. If you increase what they have done by 57%, but then you increase goals by 100%, you've actually weighted it again to IPDs. Mm. So the only other option was it was to extend the number of days that they futures are eligible for from 30 upwards which I thought was maybe an okay idea, but then I saw what you said earlier on about, I think it was on Twitter about, or somewhere, uh, if they made it 45 days or something, it doesn't kind of, it's kind of a random time, whereas 30 days obviously is basically a month. Um, but that was the only way to increase it without increasing it by basically 100%. So I think it's the right thing. I think they're already attractive. I think they'll still continue to see big spikes on goals and things like that. I don't think that's really going to change. And what you might just see now is that actually when someone scores a goal 
that say puts their team in front that it's going to enhance their chance of winning performance dividends as well as the IPD, which may just you know now just see extra spikes on goals uh, due to that that player perhaps now looking like they might win performance dividends as well. The way I thought about it was that the max they do is increase goals to two p, so that it was in line with the performance scoring matrix where goals are for, are they they're forty five points and assists are twenty points, so almost just over double. And so goals to kind of reflect nearly that ratio in in-play dividends. But I, I really thought that they wouldn't do it because I really thought that they were going to try and... I think I said a lot on previous podcasts, one of the reasons I did with the blog with EJ, that you won't see that many more EJs if FI had catered more towards in-play dividends. And a lot of people will think I'm kind of hating on that payout by saying that, but it's true, right? If you're a massive investor and you've got £500,000 to splurge like it's nothing because you've got that much money, you won't look at in-play dividends and think, there's a really big opportunity here for me because you're not going to be able to move in and out of the market that quickly with that size of money. And I think that making FI's USP in performance buzz and media buzz, the long-term three-year bet, the focal point of the product was really imperative for me in this payout, in this review. No matter how big an increase they did it to the payout, I would have taken a 30, 35% increase so long as it was catered towards that longer-term nature of things. And Alessandra, I don't know if you agree with that. I think you're right. And if we go back to the hiring policy that FI had where they went out and bought the directors from the betting industry who identified an area they needed to go after right it was the short-term flip they've found it they've completed it it's some might say and I tend to agree with you that it's had a detrimental effect on the long holders of uh, positions this has corrected that imbalance they haven't removed in play dividends they haven't increased them because they don't need to I think they've catered for that market Mm. And if you were kind of a a big trader on the outskirts, right, you haven't been on FI before, you've got a lot of money to throw around, does this kind of make it more attractive to you, this kind of setup where in-play dividends are more of a bonus than they were before, where they were actually, you know, if you thought about some players, they were going to return more in 30 days than some decent PB players were in a year? Yeah, 100%. What I find on social media is a lot of people are quite resentful of the larger portfolios and whether it's jealousy of how much money they've got or something i'm not quite sure um but as you've said and as um the fantastic article by ej also said that those traders are fundamental um for fi first of all they were some of the people which put their money where their mouth was right at the start a lot of those people are um, this product wouldn't even be probably here today if it wasn't for those people. So that's the first thing. Does that mean they're entitled to handouts or something? No, it doesn't. But those traders are extremely important. And to get new people like that on board is also absolutely vital if this product's going to grow and grow and grow. I can tell you, as someone who has a medium-ish sized portfolio, I suppose, that it is impossible to concentrate on IPDs when you've got a portfolio of tens of thousands of pounds. You can't do it because there are... It's just impossible. Um, just with the amounts of money that are involved, it's, you just can't do it. So you have to hold players long term unless you spend your entire life doing it. So if you want to attract people with money who are going to make these prices go up, basically, who are going to be providing money to FI, because at the end of the day, when they buy all their players for their 200 grand or whatever, that's money that FI have. 
you know they actually have that money physically so it's really important to attract those people and those people are mainly going to want long-term holds yes they'll probably do a bit of ipd you know trading and stuff like that and they'll probably change their holds every now and again put some on the market rebuy other players but they're mainly going to sit there and they're going to collect dividends but they will also you know partake in in trading at, at times as well so i think to sort of you know look at it and say oh well you know ipds are what everybody needs to you know get, get more commission for fi you know if this platform was only ipds i mean a i probably wouldn't be on it but b if i was on it there'd be no point having more than about five grand in it because you just couldn't possibly move all the money around quick enough so true so very true those big traders do really need to be there to keep those base level prices steady so that the volatility can happen on top of them if that makes sense alessandra any other thoughts no i think that's entirely correct right it, it needs to have a solid base of uh, of large <laughs> high wealth users right yeah i personally think yeah in play dividends is exactly as alan said it's a luxury to be used when you spot a certain trend a certain series of fixtures and you've got some spare cash knocking around and you can have a go. I think one of the things that this might have done, right, is it, what it might do is people will not necessarily flip out their 30-day purchase as easily as they were doing beforehand. I think this might convert flippers into long-term holders if they've seen a load of uh, MBs rolling during that period as well. So it could be a conversion <laughs> principle. <laughs> Maybe some converts to be seen in the in the near, near future. And Vinkler's index, no mention of any trader meets for a while, Fig. Have they mentioned anything to you about getting one set up in the near future? I can tell you that there were murmurs of one for their birthday or like a belated birthday party that they mentioned on my podcast, but haven't heard anything yet on the grapevine. The last did the you know hundredth podcast about six weeks ago or so. So maybe look to do one for one twenty five or one fifty. That could be quite interesting. We've got a question here from Moz, uh, who's been on the podcast before and was really good. Do you think after the dividend increase, players such as Cruz, Alberto, and Parejo still offer good value for money, or are they already too highly priced? Alan, it's very hard to say, isn't it? <laughs> it's is very very hard to say, but there has been. A significant increase, as we've said, in match day dividends. So they have had big rises. Um, I suppose the question is how much of their price before there was an announcement of a PB or sorry, match day dividend increase was based on their, the fact that people were expecting one at some point? Because there's always an element of future dividend increases included in a price, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so I guess, in theory, the way to look at it for a player that you expect to win match day dividends is how much has their price increased compared to the percentage um, increase in dividends? Because in theory, if a player's gone up 20% in price but the dividends have gone up 50%, then they're still undervalued or they're still valued because their value has increased. So in theory, there still should be more wiggle room in there. I think that the thing is that, of course, there's a limited amount of money in the market. Although it's mm. gradually increasing, right there is a limited amount of money. So not everyone's price can go up by the 57% um, because there simply isn't the money there to do that. But in theory, yes, I mean, you know, you look at some of the prices and I'm certainly one of those people that if I look at a player or if I hear about a player or I see a big score and I go and look at their price and they're up sort of 20p or something, I think, oh, no, I'm not going to go in there because they'll drop back down again. But this is a, you know, a permanent increase significant increase to you know the value of players that do win match day dividends and media dividends so 
in theory, there should be a way to go, you know, and if as more money comes into the market, there's absolutely no reason why players that continue to win match day dividends should they should keep increasing because as I say the, the overall increase is much higher than what the even the most significant increases in prices probably haven't quite been fifty seven percent. I suppose they're never going to increase, you know, directly correlated to the amount that the dividend in- increase because there might be spreads. People might be less adverse to buying players that are, say, £3.50 rather than £2.50. So there are, there are the factors. But yeah, I mean, theoretically, you're correct. There's players now that have far greater ceilings. I think we'll probably see £10, £12 players off the back of these dividends. Alessandro, any thoughts on that kind of group of players that Moz has highlighted? It's difficult to see until the, the dust settles where whether they were priced correctly originally. Again, I just don't know where, where they're... I've been lost on that middle-range pricing for some time. I think long PB players... That, that post decent scores but play for unfashionable clubs or have difficult fixtures or have no MB footprint whatsoever, have wild spread in the market. Some of them are massively overpriced and some of them haven't been picked up. You pay your money, you take your choice on those. <laughs> nice and concise, I like it. <laughs> Alex Fern here. Genuine question. I'm relatively new and not the most clued up on the index, but why is Messi worth more than Kane? He's younger in the Barclays Premier League, Euros in the summer... Where do you see them both ending? Interesting. Well, I think they're both more valuable now than they were before. I mean, it's the same everybody. In, <laughs> theory, in theory, everybody's more valuable, aren't they? So, I mean, if you pick those two particular players out, I mean, I personally think that Kane is undervalued um, on the basis that actually he does win more dividends than people think he does, from what I can tell. And yes, he's got the Euros, um, which is massive. You know, especially now with the media, don't forget the media. Um, increases a fifty percent increase in a single day, five p if you win, you know, on a, on a treble day. You think next summer there's going to be an awful lot of England players winning MB? You would imagine um, through the summer, especially if they're doing quite well. So I do think Harry Kane should be higher. I do hold him just <laughs> just to uh, be clear. And I know we don't tend to talk about players on podcasts, but obviously this question is directly about two players, so it's hard not to, to do that. <laughs> But Messi, I mean, Messi's already shown in the two or three games he's played since the new Matrix was introduced that he's going to absolutely boss it. I think he won with just one assist or something like that. Um, Beat Mm. Suarez, who had two goals in a game-winning goal or something like that. So when Messi's playing, you know, he's likely to have a great chance of winning every single match. He's obviously not going to win every single match, but he's going to have a good chance every single game. So bearing in mind now that the prize for a, a, a gold golden day is 16p you know that's now what's that about um it's more than three percent of his value isn't it yeah yeah, um, yeah. so it's an enormous payout so basically to go back to the question exactly Messi's more likely to win performance dividends match their dividends than Kane um, and he also is very good for media as well so I think in the short term over this season for example Messi will almost certainly return more in dividends than Harry Kane is basically the answer. But in the longer term, there will be a, a point in which their two price curves cross each other. Uh, yeah. As Messi gets a bit older, um, maybe towards the Euros, I'm, I'm certain by the Euros that Kane will be higher than Messi. Put it that way. Mm. I think one of the things that this has reminded me, as Alex asked the question, is I've met people at kind of like trader meets and kind of fancy football meets before where they've said to me, oh, like interested in the index, like who's top at the moment? I say, oh, well, it's Neymar. 
and they're like but why he's already really good like don't you want like the future next big guy alessandro what are your thoughts on that kind of concept and what alex is asking or saying here valid it's entirely valid in as much as he wants to pick up dividends everything alan's just said again i'm sounding like a stuck record uh, is correct there will be an inflection point where Harry Kane surpasses Lionel Messi and presumably it will be the Euros. The age is a factor. I don't like buying players over 30 just as a principle. I think if you look at the index and if you're talking to somebody who doesn't understand how the index works and dividends works and you explain to them that Neymar is top, um, that person who questions it has already fundamentally understood the principle of capital appreciation, which is positive. What they haven't understood is the fact that there's a continuing cash stream associated with the dividend. Right. So, again, we're back to the fundamentals of in play versus dividends versus cash appreciation. Everybody's got a different way they want to do it. Um, The index is talking to you. If Neymar's top, there's a damn good reason why he is. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the cream rises to the crop, doesn't it? The top uh, quite often, especially when it comes to FI and players win a lot of dividends. It it tends to happen quite often. Uh, Rizzler 7 here. Why don't the index focus on those mid-table players rather than introducing incentives that mostly will only favour players who are most likely owned by many? Anyone want to take this one? <laughs> yeah, I'll happily. I'll, I'll take any questions. Me, I'm not bothered. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So the index has to make sense to people. You've got to have the best players at the top, otherwise it looks like a load of nonsense. Um, yes, there's got to be an element of younger players. And that's why Sancho is in second place at the moment because he looks so, so good at such a young age. You know, he's scored more goals than anybody his age, you know, anywhere around Europe, etc., etc. He's a complete exception. Um, he's absolutely fantastic player. He's proven himself already at such a young age. So there is an element, obviously, of it's all about future dividends for him. He can win dividends now. He's, he's challenged a number of times. He's won the odd dividend here and there. He's certainly not too far away. But the index has to look... Right. The top players have stagnated for a while. And the reason they've stagnated isn't because they've not been performing. There's an element of that. You know, Pogba's element of that. Neymar obviously had injuries and things like that. But even if they'd been playing, I don't think they would have got much more because I just think that the dividends weren't high enough. So now the dividends are increasing. Um, the market cap in terms of well, not market cap, the, the top price player can now, or the limit of where they can reach is now higher because there's more... Um, more dividends available to them and the higher payouts each time they win. So it's really important to stretch the market because if the top players are staying the same and everyone's catching them up, it's not a good look for the index. What I said on Twitter to somebody the other day sort of raised a similar type of thing is if I was joining the index now uh, without knowing what the index was like but understanding prices and wanting my players to go up in price and things like that, what I'd be looking at is, right, who are the most famous football players? Let's have a look at their graphs. If you have a look at Neymar is... Obviously, one of them, look at his, I'm going to bring them up now, I've got it in front of me here. If you look at his six-month graph, six months ago, he was, what's that, eight, seven ninety-five. He's now the same price as he was six months ago. And he's not an old player, so he's not depreciating because he's old. So his price, you know, actually dipped down with, with his allegations and stuff like that. But basically, his price has been up and down, up and down, but within a range of pretty much between seven and eight pounds if you take out the one dip in June. So you look at that and you think, well, you know, he's, what's happening with this market? You know, am I putting my money in the right place here? Because, you know, this famous player um, is not, not really going up. 
And the reason it's not going up, in my opinion, is because the dividends just weren't enough. So people are looking at getting a lot more shares than somebody a lot lower down, hoping for a, a bigger payout because a payout of Neymar, percentage-wise, people didn't feel was high enough. So, as I say, as a new trader, that's what I'd be looking at. And a lot of the top players have been stagnating, and it's because of the, the dividends not being high enough. Now they are much higher um, for both media and performance dividends. It's going to stretch the market, and that is good for everybody because the higher that Neymar gets, that's going to drag up prices of everybody else. So true, isn't it? I think someone put that in the comments as well. It's super, super interesting to see from an outside perspective if someone's new on the platform, they obviously want those big players. Alessandro, any comments on it? No, again, I think he's absolutely right. It is important that the ceiling sets the precedent for the pricing of the middle and lower order players. We all remember when the, before the share split, um, you know, <laughs> it's costing you, you know, 18 quid for a Pogba or whatever it was. Uh, by, in the same context, middle range players now looked comparatively well-priced and moved along in the same direction. It carries them on. The top of the market leads the way. Absolutely correct. They do indeed lead the way. We've got another few questions, actually, that keep coming in. Wesley Chimp, how do you think we now cast the net to catch new big fish? You were talking about liquidity and it's spot on. I'm desperate to buy Neymar. Neymar is now worth £10, but that's got to come from new money. So what do you think FI can do to kind of maybe look to find more big potential players for the index? Well, they need to make everything more reliable, first of all, and more Mm. professional. So they are taking steps in doing that. Obviously, NASDAQ, as people keep talking about, once that comes in, You know, it does give the platform a huge aura, in my opinion, to have NASDAQ power in your systems and your um, product is massive. The need to make a better website, that's coming out on Tuesday, which is also something which was announced um, within the announcement, um, which is fantastic. Obviously, people are concentrating on the dividends, but they did say that the beta site will be available on Tuesday, I think it was, which is, it looks a lot better from what I've seen. So that's going to be good as long as it works okay. And... Obviously, increasing dividends as well, which is what they've done as well. So I think all those things are what they need to do. They need to get rid of all the bugs and the gremlins and things like that um, and make it look more professional, which is what they are doing. So I think that it'll be a lot easier to convince city traders, if you want to call them that or whoever, to the product probably in six to 12 months' time when everything looks a little bit more professional, a little bit more stable. Um, Prices should be at the top should be rising because of the dividend increases and therefore because those guys will look at the graphs they look at the graphs of people like Harry Kane Neymar Messi maybe even Sancho Mbappe Pogba people like that De Bruyne and if they can see those prices have been stagnating for the last 6-12 months they're not going to they're going to be concerned by that if they see they've all been rising because of the dividend increases and extra um, confidence in the market they're much more likely to invest in my opinion Alessandro uh, it's an interesting one, right? So I think there's two points. And again, Alan touched on one of them, right? If you're going to get traders, sort of old school traders or city traders, as we said, right, they're going to need more analytical tools. Having analytical tools that sit outside of your platform, right, whether they're affiliated or not, does not send off the right message to somebody wanting to invest. I need to know at any given point what anybody's price was compared to somebody else. I need to be able to do comparisons. I want to be able to do league cuts. I want to do multiple analytics on here to be able to see what I'm doing. If I'm an analytical trader, I'm more likely to put more money in 
because gut traders lose occasionally because nobody can be gut trader and lucky all the time, right? We're talking about big money. We're talking about analytics. That's the first thing. Second thing is institutions such as Football Index, or if we talk about an FX retail platform or anything else, right? 80%, 75 to 80% of all of the money that goes out the door is spent on marketing, right? And they've done a great job, you know, with Forrest and everything else. More marketing, that needs to be in everybody's face. I get on the tube in the morning, right? I've seen some stuff on there. More, it needs (laughs) to be everywhere. It needs to be everywhere. And when it gets to the point where it's got market saturation, when it's got to the point where the analytical tools are there for people to be able to trade seriously, rather than, you know, there's still an element of hobby trading look and feel to the front end of this. And it doesn't work necessarily for people who want to put serious amounts of cash in. Yeah, I think, and this probably leads on to Ed Vinkler's index question. Any comments on the market not being fully closed to some traders during the originally planned shut-off period? Alessandro, what were your thoughts on that? And what about the index generally in these kind of gaffes? Again, it's embarrassing because it's real money. Other contemporary platforms that do different business things don't have outages, they have redundancy, or they make things work. What we have seen, the customer service has improved right to a certain degree. Uh, the payout accuracy has improved to a certain degree. You can't have outages. You can't make promises of market blackouts and then not make them, right? Because it's making, pe- it's making people trade in ways they wouldn't normally. People would have jumped on beforehand. People who have left work or not got on the train or done something like this, they had to go and trade and then found out that they could have done it a bit later because the window is still open. And then they'll feel aggrieved. You don't want angry traders sat here. It's just all a bit, it's a bit amateurish and it's a technical issue on most parts. I think taking down an entire system isn't a trivial thing. Stopping people having access isn't a trivial thing. They probably need to sort out the technology. And if the order books from NASDAQ are going to come in, you suspect that there's probably a technical underlying platform change as well that needs to be done and things will be a bit slicker as a result are you worried at all that they're four years in and this is still prevailing as i said earlier right this has moved out and this is my view this has moved out of startup phase into that sort of middle-sized enterprise right this isn't still functioning on a high-grade corporate level the money invested into a technology platform right doesn't get instantly dropped and then arrive start yielding results it takes a while to build this you have to plot it you need to be able to do a release correctly. The beta will be the release for the front end of the website, so we'll see that. So they're going about it in the right way. These things don't happen overnight. I think the comms probably need to be a bit better about where they're going potentially, and so people know that there's work going on the technical platform. Just saying the word NASDAQ and Audible every six months isn't necessarily giving people a certain amount of security around <laughs> Alan, any thoughts? Well, it's a, it's a long-running saga, the technology, isn't it? <laughs> but... I think at the end of the day, this sort of conversation has been done to death in some respects. I think I said previously that they should sort the technology out before the marketing, or not before the marketing, but instead of so much marketing, because I'd rather they everything was in place for, for when new people come on board, so they're not going to get put off by these things. But, you know, FI sort of answered that and said, well, you know, we still want to grow, grow things. And, you know, they need to sort it out, obviously. And I do agree with Alessandro when he says that, you know, they can't just keep saying, oh, well, Nasdaq's coming and everything else. It's got to get better. <laughs> but we know that is coming, and we know that order books are eventually going to come. Uh, the order books is slightly separate, so that's not a technical issue. But, you know, these things are frustrating, but <laughs> you kind of know that they're there. It needs to be sorted, ultimately. Um, 
I think that the reason they can get away with it to a large degree is because everyone's making money. Mm-hmm. I think while everyone's making money, you sort of get annoyed about it for 24 hours or something or a week, and then you forget about it because you've made 3% that week or whatever. So it's extremely important, and like I said in the previous question, to get people on board, more big fish on board, you know, serious you know, investors and things like that. These things can't happen because they'll just go, oh, this isn't trustworthy and just run a mile. Um, so I think hope, well, what I'd like them to do is to, once they have sorted all this out, is to then perhaps do a real sort of um, target campaign, marketing campaign at those sort of um, bigger trades in terms of the newspapers, magazines, maybe, you know, various things, events, maybe in London to try and get those people on board. I think at the moment, I think one or two people have even mentioned that they've sort of mentioned it to someone that they know that works in those kind of areas and they've just kind of laughed and said, oh, you know, it doesn't look professional enough, etc. So they definitely need to sort it out to get to the next level. But I expected it to crash at, at 6.30. It didn't crash in the end, but it didn't... St- it, it didn't stop. <laughs> yeah, it didn't stop instead. So, you know, I'm not, what I would say is I, d- I did like the immediate tweet. Yeah, that um, was good. From them, from the customer service, basically saying, look, we know we've messed up there. We're really sorry. This is what happened. And they actually explained why it didn't stop. Okay, it's not going to make sense to everybody, but they did try and offer an explanation and kind of said, well, follow it up with a full explanation kind of, you know, in a few days or something like that, which, you know, it looked like a really professional communication. Um, what people, what I would also say is that there are always gremlins for every company. You know, Betfair have problems, Bet365 have problems, other organizations have problems all the time. And it's not just FI, you know, and okay, yes, they're not, you know, a startup anymore. They are, they are past that stage now, but... You know, technical issues and gremlins do happen. Nothing's perfect, and you do have to cut them with a little bit of slack. Yeah, I think it's uh, the communication was really good, actually. I really like that. Alessandro, is it a sign that they're maturing from a comms standpoint? As I said earlier, customer service and the comms has been much better, right? Um, the turnaround time's a lot quicker, and they're clear on what they're doing. I think people get annoyed when you speak to somebody and they don't give you a decent answer. Clear and concise comms. Or even a, we understand there's a problem, we'll get back to you, and then fulfilling that obligation, right, it shows the sign of a maturity on an operational level. Operationally, this is good. Technically, as Alan said, right, there's still work to be done. Mm, there is, there is. And uh, I'm hoping NASDAQ can kind of help that. Alessandro, with a NASDAQ partnership, does that excite you? Does that breed, you know, more legitimacy and confidence? And maybe that's where the net will be cast to get some more big fish in? Uh, absolutely right this is a this is this is exchange based technology that's used to dealing with millions and millions and millions of uh, of orders coming in and out right on a regular basis it's robust it will have redundancy probably built into that package as well it has thresholds right everything about this shows that it's moving in the right direction to be able to take in orders right and process information with a very low latency it shows that they're moving the right way. Big money should follow off the back of that technology platform. Yeah, I would be shocked if we don't see some big traders after that is fully up and running. We've got a question here from Dr. Duber on Twitter, who I think you've blocked, Alan, uh, for one reason or another. He tried to bait me into asking you about Pascal Gross, but he does actually have a, a serious question here. <laughs> what do you guys think come next? Third share split or another dividend increase? <laughs> It's a good question, isn't it? I suspect that it will probably be a dividend increase out of the two because I think these dividends will see players maybe reach £10. Mm. Um, but 
Maybe a bit more. Depends. I on think how... a little bit more, maybe. Yeah, a little bit more. Depends how people perform. Maybe, yeah, maybe 10 to 12 pounds, given time. But I'm not sure that they would look at a share split at that price. If you've seen the previous share split, players were hitting, what, 20 pounds, I think it was, which was a bit high. Um, I think maybe 15 pounds is or something like that. It's perhaps the limit that I think is kind of just off-putting to people. I don't know. I mean, I'm just making that up, but anything more than 15 pounds so but i don't think these prior these dividends will quite reach that sort that kind of price so i think um, we're probably more likely to see a dividend increase first and a share split perhaps you know another couple of years away probably agree with that i don't think they'll hit 15 pounds before the next season dividend review is in play so that would appear to be more likely than a share split yeah, I agree, especially after what Adam said about maybe those kind of more longer term dividends, the what could it be, you know, a, a player of the week, team of the week, team of the month, player of the month or, you know, player of the year, whatever. That could be quite interesting. I think we've run for like 70 minutes or so. I don't want to take that much more of your time, lads. Alan, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't really got around to talking about? It's hard to think, but it's all been a bit of a whirlwind, doesn't it? It's been um, an absolutely insane evening. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I like, to, as you know from our conversations, I like to be able to kind of prepare answers to questions and sound a bit more coherent. It's quite, uh, it's quite tricky. <laughs> I think you've done of, a great uh, job. It's quite tricky sort of just uh, thinking on the hop. But, I mean, not particularly in regards to, in regards to tonight. I just think um, it's overall it's extremely positive for the platform, as I've said. And, um, you know, I can't see any reason for any negativity now at all. I really think it, this is going to take things to the next level. And I think everyone should be extremely excited. And, you know, as I say, if people are thinking, oh, you know, why are people not going up more, you know, with these dividends? They will do in time. It just, people have run out of money. I honestly think that's the case. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone gets paid every month and more people will be joining the platform every single day. So the prices will continue to go up. So there's absolutely no reason for you know, for anyone to be negative about anything. Very wise words. And I think you've done a stunning job with pretty much zero prep and questions coming at you live. We do actually have another couple because people have just submitted them, <laughs> literally just done. Uh, Doc1806, given the instances of dividend payout issues, do we know if the new website will allow us to reconcile our dividends easier? At the moment, it feels like a case of trusting FI to get it right. I mean, we're always going to have to trust FI, aren't we, Alessandro? But have you seen the new website? What are your thoughts? Uh, I haven't yet. I would imagine that payment tracking is going to be key to client confidence. So if it isn't already a a functionality item on there, I would imagine it's certainly on the roadmap for for putting on there. People want to know what they should be paid and whether they've been paid and then see the money in their account. So there are three pieces you want to reconcile back what you think's happened and you want your platform to be able to prove that back to you. X scored a goal. I get X for it. X was MB player of the uh, day. I want to know that that was the money that I got for it and that was the money that I was paid. So absolutely, if it isn't in play, it should be. Is the new website going to sort that out though? Because is this not just more of a kind of a front end rather than kind of like the actual piping underneath the, the tech? Who's, who's, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sort of tell you. I think I do trust them with it. To be honest, I've never, I don't think I've ever been left out of pocket. Um, I think when they do, when there are technical issues, they are resolved and you do get paid. So I personally have no problems with it. I don't have any concerns or any any issues at all in regards to thinking, have I missed out on any money? If anyone doesn't get paid out, somebody you know for a fact that somebody will be onto it and will be contacting them. So I don't personally 
see that as an issue. Yes, sometimes dividends aren't quite paid out on time or there's been a bit of a problem, but then they, they always know there's been a problem and they sort it out. So I keep a track of dividends and who wins each day and that kind of thing. So you know, I always know what payouts I should be getting more or less, even IPV <laughs> to some extent. And I've never really not seen them come in. I've never had to contact them and say, you literally haven't paid me for this player when you know no one else has had that issue. So I think um, generally if there's a problem, it affects everybody and they know about it and then you all get paid. So you know, I always say this to people when they sort of raise concerns about payouts and stuff, about how impre- unprofessional it is and so on. Yes, okay, it's not great, but FI never leaves you out of pocket in the end. So I don't personally see this as a big problem. But if we're looking at bringing on big traders, right? I don't trade based on trust and based on the previous performance of a platform and the fact that they've always told me they've paid out. Right? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I want proof that something's happened. And if that means I can track it through the front end, that's where I want it to be tracked. That's what a big money trader is going to want to see. Interesting. But the proof is there, right? It's in your transaction history. Yes, but I think... As in what, the history of it, it yeah. It is, but I think what they want to do is be able to show you at what point whether your player is eligible for a payment and then whether that payment came in and then see that money in your account. So we're talking about tying that all back together again. Uh, so I think we're talking more about not slightly nuanced different things. I think, Alessandra, you're alluding to that kind of like end-to-end journey of a payout for a customer that you buy them, there's a 30-day and a three-year window that's kind of like a bar or something like that, like a little icon. And at the end of it, if you get paid out, it's in your transaction history, blah, blah, blah. For me, the bigger concern or not concern, the question rather is, you know, the new website's still going to be riddled with the same tech issues because then it's kind of just putting something nice on top of something that isn't very nice underneath. <laughs> well, I mean, they have said, haven't they, the, I think was it Kieran or somebody from FI on your from podcast the up, yeah. said that they were going, you would soon be able to see how long you'd held your shares for. Yeah. And on the announcement tonight, there was a bullet point which said, um, all shares will be time-stamped to make it clear whether they're eligible for in-play dividends with notifications sent as the payouts are won on the pitch. Or they're things that are going to come in the near future. So um, that is what people have been asking for, and there's a clear bullet point in this article tonight saying that they are going to provide that information. I think that's going to be really cool. I'm really uh, excited to see that. Oh, we've got another question. Last one. Last one. I'll go on then. Uh, Samuel Arpa how far off do you think we are from seeing an additional league or leagues added for weekly PB? There was a bit of speculation that this would happen this time round. I, I was always quite confident that it wouldn't because it'd be a major, major change. But do you think we will see other leagues added in the future, Alessandro Allen? The question I always think about is which league would I want added and which is the best league with enough um, kudos associated with it and enough quality of players. So on top of my head, Portugal's probably got an enormous amount of feeder players that feed into the major PB leagues, right? And so if you want a cap ad league, then that's your one. The problem with a lot of the other leagues is they tend to be two or three horse races, right? So in Scotland, there's normally the same winners. Uh, In Belgium, there tends to be two or three. Holland tends to change, but it's still there's three or four that are regularly in there, right? You can argue that that's exactly the same for the English league, but I think the difference in class from the top of those four to everybody else means that there's going to be an enormous amount of dead wood on in all of those leagues below maybe halfway. Yeah, you could, there's probably a lot yeah, bigger golfing quality between the top sides in those leagues and the bottom ones, perhaps. I think that's, that's what you're trying to say there, which could lead yeah. to enormous scores for some of the players in those leagues. I think for me, the, the main issue with it, I think eventually it will happen. But of course, what you're doing then is you're going to be massively diluting the uh, PB, chance of winning PB again. So... 
I think if they're going to do that, they would really have to do it alongside a dividend increase to make up for, again, your bet. The odds of you winning your bet, again, being increased. So I suppose you could say, well, they could have tied it in now with a dividend increase. But I think there was a dividend increase needed anyway. So I think they're going to have to think about that kind of idea. If they want to do that, they're going to have to combine it with another dividend increase whenever they can afford to do that. Um, I'm not sure how much appetite there is for it. I think people who hold all the guys that play for PSV and Ajax and everything would love it, obviously. But I just don't think there's many players in those leagues that people know. And yeah. I- but then if we're being rewarded for our football knowledge, and I know that's niche football knowledge, I think it could work. And I'll lay out why. If they increased dividends again and then had a smaller set of dividends for these other leagues, right? It would then create this scenario where, you know, someone in the Dutch league playing for Ajax can still win PB when they're playing in domestically, but the payouts are quite small because obviously there's a big disparage, like it's a massive disparity between the level of like Ajax and the worst team in, in Holland. But then when they move to a big five league, if they're good enough, like as a player, then their actual value should probably go up. Because at the moment, I think what we're seeing on the index is a lot of like illogical non-top five PB league prices. And that's because we have nothing to kind of gauge them against. Do you know what I mean? Whereas now, if you've got like Frankie de Jong at Barcelona, we can kind of look at him and price him a little better because we know what his scores are more consistently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, is that not just another layer of complexity to have a separate PB yeah. matrix or, or sent not well separate payouts for the Dutch and Portuguese leagues? I'm not sure if that's... I can see what you, what you mean, yeah. um, but I'm not sure. I think you've, it's, yeah, it's another layer of complexity. So It's the flip side, I, I think, isn't it? I think it has to come in eventually... Just because if they want to expand into more and more countries, like if they want to expand into Portugal and the Portugal league's not on there, well, you know, it's going to be a problem, isn't it? I think if you expand to Canada, well, they probably don't expect their league to be on there, to be perfectly honest. But <laughs> I, th- I think, you know, if yeah, if you want to expand all around Europe um, and having all these players on there, it would make sense for them to be included eventually. But I think I didn't think there was any chance of them doing it this time, simply because there aren't enough players from those leagues on. You've literally got the young players that people have asked to be IPO'd, you know, like um, Malin and um, people like that, um, Bodu and all the guys that play PSV and Ajax and Feyenoord and AZ Altmar and stuff like that. Sort of the older players or the you know the non-sort of elite youngster players aren't on there, um, apart from maybe the odd team that's in Europe. So they've had to IPO about probably a thousand players or something to kind of have enough players to make those leagues viable so i think on the basis there's no ipos just at the moment uh, haven't been recently um i just think it wasn't going to happen tonight but maybe they'll do it next year i think that's maybe a benefit of doing the dividend um reviews at the start of a season is they could go right we're now from this season going to add portugal and holland to everything but we're going to increase dividends by 50 percent to kind of compensate for you your odds of winning the bet being lengthened. I think there's a business problem with this one as well, right? So if you want to open it, just as an example, you want to open it up to Portugal, right? You want to open it up to those Portuguese people not have a Portuguese league based in on a UK market. It's entirely different gambling laws and gambling licenses. And these things tend to get really tricky the more you get into it. And there's an expenditure associated with every league you open up, open up on a legal level. Yeah, I think you're totally right there, Alessandra. And that's kind of reminded me, what about IPOs? Um, are we going to wait on NASDAQ for those as well, do you reckon? Or do you anticipate we'll probably see them sooner rather than later? And because I think there's probably, you know, we're looking at quite a significant amount of players that need to be IPO'd here. Yeah, there are a lot of players that need to be IPO'd, aren't there? Um, 
quite simply they haven't got a good way of doing it yet. That's simply why they've been stopped. I don't think that they'll have to wait for Nasdaq because that's going to be, by the sound of it, quite a few months away at least. And, you know, we're now a couple months into the season. There's a lot of players who haven't been IPO'd. So I personally think that they're going to have to IPO them regardless and just get them out there because, you know, there are a lot of teams that don't have many players on there. You've got players like Tamori, who's now been in the England squad, who hasn't even been IPO'd. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, I was a bit surprised when they did the last batch and they said, oh, we're going to IPO all the like the players from all the promoted teams. It's like we well, haven't got players from the team that have already been in that league. Like, there's quite a few quite well-known players who are not on there. So, uh, yeah, I wasn't even sure they got the priority right there in regards to who they IPO'd. But anyway, um, I do think that they need to get on with IPOing more players. I think just dumping them into the market kind of randomly like they said they were going to do um, is probably the right way to do it. Um, so we'll wait and see how that works if they decide to proceed that way. The only reason that NASDAQ would be useful for this, right, is because you can throttle algo uh, bots. So bots that go and pick up al- uh, um, hundreds and thousands of trades or whatever within a very small period of time. On the forum, forum people are usually furious about the fact they've been waiting for an IPO player to turn up for, for weeks because they suggested it. And then when they finally get the chance to do it, somebody snaffled it up and the price has moved two quid on them before they even got anywhere near it because somebody's got a bot running in the background. NASDAQ might be able to throttle that. Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely important that they come about because I think it's probably a good way to retain users, acquire users and, you know, so much more. There's a lot of people say they're the lifeblood of the index. I don't agree with that um, properly as dividends, as Adam Cole <laughs> rightly said today. But yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they sort that issue out because it, it is a, a long-standing issue at this point. You know, we're looking at six months, aren't we? But I think we're actually going to end this time. Sorry, gents, no more questions. Alessandro, where can people find out more about you? Uh, on the forum, best place to find me. Oh, nice. Any Anything that people want to know about you that could encourage them to follow you and stuff? No, I'm an extremely secretive person. No, um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some bits and pieces. You Come on the forum and have a chat and I'll explain more. I've certainly got more of a background on the uh, business side, which people probably have guessed from some of my comments today. <laughs> Alan? Yeah, I'm mainly on Twitter, uh, at Footy Index Al. I am on Slack as well. I don't tend to post too much on there just because I haven't got time to go on everything. <laughs> but I've been looking at that more recently, so um, yeah. You might find me on there as well. But um, yeah, I sort of mainly tweet about players, to be honest. Um, <laughs> not pumping and dumping, but uh, just discussing players that I like. And uh, yeah, I think it's really important. I think I really enjoy uh, the Twitter community overall. So um, yeah, get yourselves on there if you're not already. Yeah, definitely check these guys out. Uh, thank you guys for sticking through with this. If you've stuck through the 94 minutes that it says here on my YouTube channel, I salute you. It's a Friday night in the evening. I think we had, I don't even know how many people, but we've never gone below like 35, 40 or 50, you know, live, which is pretty interesting. Um, Westy Chimp says, go on the forum looking for Alessandro, stay for Vespasian. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Decent <laughs> listen. Um, no worries, mate. Uh, yeah, the forum's a great place. Uh, I think a lot of people love the uh, EJ blog, which was good to see. Hopefully do some more written content. You can obviously follow me at, at FI Guide. 
if you guys haven't checked out the YouTube channel, then please do subscribe there. Do leave some likes, do leave some comments. And yeah, check out EJ's blog that was co-authored on my podcast website. So if you go on, um, if you just type in Football Index Podcast on Google, you'll find my website and then you'll find EJ's blog, which was pretty sensational, about 15 pages long. But I truly advise anyone to read it. And yeah, hopefully do a bit more long form content, maybe like every couple of months, do something like that with with a trader and go really deep on FI as a business and, and a platform and kind of about their trading strategy and so on and so forth. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Uh, have a great evening. And thank you very much if you're on your commute doing whatever you're doing. If you're looking at an oven, I saw that on Twitter the other day. A few ovens here on FI Twitter, which is, I guess, strange. I don't really know what to say about that. But interesting nonetheless. Baths, horses, running, whatever you're doing. Have a great day. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.